Hello and welcome to the Enough Said podcast, the mental health podcast brought to you by the registered charity Independent New Users Forum. Enough is an independent user-led mental health charity based in Stratford East London. Our aim is to offer members all sorts of activities to help towards improving their mental and physical well-being. The projects that Enough provides are stepping stones to self-improvement and cater to the needs of the individual whether they are interested in socialising, exercising, volunteering or needing advocacy support. If you'd like to know more about the registered charity Enough, you can go and visit our website www.inuf.org That's www.inuf.org Or you can feel free to follow us online via at enough underscore the charity on Twitter or at enough mental health on Facebook. Today uh, we are going to be doing a topic about living with multiple diagnosis and it's living and healing with cerebral palsy and mental health. So today we're joined by our co-presenter Michael Ahan. Hi. I'm your host Trevor and we have our special guest with us today Edgar Cassidy. Hello. Welcome to the podcast Edgar, thanks for coming along. So today you're going to give us some insight on what it's like uh, living with like a long-term health condition alongside having a mental health condition. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a mental health service user. Um, I, am, I suffer with mild cerebral palsy and schizoaffective disorder. Um, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite a rebel. Um, I'm my own worst enemy at times. I've had to learn to like myself and try to try to come to some sort of peace and acceptance, and that's difficult um, when you're living with certain di- issues and difficulties. and And I think it's about promoting yourself in a positive way, so that you can learn to accept and love yourself more, and so that somewhat some, so that other people can understand and therefore accept you as well. And, and that can be difficult from time to time. Um, um, I, I consider myself as, as, as psychologically in, inadequate. I mean, that's how I describe myself. Um, I, suppose, I suppose it depends on who you meet and who you come into contact with and what, what sort of relationships you build and how you come across. Um, but I, find, I do find it difficult at times, you know, to, 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 be, to look at myself always in a positive light I do think it's easier to be negative, um, but I've also heard the other side where someone say that it's easier to be positive. So there, there has to be a balance, you know. There has to be. Um, I just try to keep myself occupied and try to promote myself in the best possible light. But as I say, that's not that's not always easy, you know. Um, so and we all and and obviously coping with cerebral palsy and mental health. It's, it's a lot to take on and, and it's about, as I said to you again, as I say again, promoting yourself in, in a positive, positive light so that I can accept myself in the best possible light and, mm. and if other people can see that then, then that's, 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 that's all I can do really. I can't force people to, to like me or to understand what, what they don't understand. This world is very discriminatory and full of ignorant people and you've just got to channel yourself and try and meet the right people, I suppose, and try to convert a few other people to make them more understanding and empathetic. But it's a difficult world we live in, so I think it's very challenging at times. I mean, I've got 
mild cerebral palsy. So I can't imagine how um, another, another person would feel with a more difficult sort of level of cerebral palsy. You know, I'm quite, I'm quite sort of negative about myself. I put myself down a lot. Um, and that's, that's a negative trait, you know, but... Um, I mean, one thing I wanted to say about uh, this particular condition, it's something that is, you, you live with it from birth, isn't it? Yeah, yes. And... Um, By asphyxiation, yes. And um, do you, when, do you remember how old you were when you first came to terms with the diagnosis of that condition? To be honest, when I was at school, I was being bullied and and at secondary school and and I didn't even understand what was wrong with me, you know. But somebody took me to some took took me to some took me to one side and sort of said, "Look, you know, do you know what's wrong with you? This is what's wrong with you." They sat me down and sort of explained because. And I, who who was saying that? Uh, it was a support teacher at school, you know. Okay. But I was obviously I was obviously being bullied for being different, and I had a hard time, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, how did you cope with that as the bullying as an individual? Did you feel that it was like just part of children growing up or did you notice something that was happening specifically towards I, I, you? I noticed that I was different. I walked with a limp and I was very passive, you know, I let, I let, thing, I let, a, lot, let a lot of things slide. I went, to, I, went to I went to college and I had a hard time yeah. doing my coursework. But I got through it and I got bullied there and but I let a lot of things slide. I didn't put. I didn't. I didn't. 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 Sh I didn't shout to my mum. Oh, this is what's going on. I just sort of let it. I brushed it aside. But now, as I'm older, I can understand my condition more, and I'm building up a resistance. And I and I, and I like to challenge. I like to challenge the status quo with my cerebral palsy, and I would like mm. to think that I can use it as a we weapon in a positive way. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, can can I talk about the symptoms? Because it says like. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. The, the I mean, on the NHS website, they're saying that uh, it's usually not obvious after a baby's born uh, what the conditions are, but yeah. normally it becomes no noticeable during the first two or three years of a child's life that the symptoms yeah, yeah. could be anything from weak arms or legs being fidgety, jerky or clumsy with movement, uh, random uncontrolled movements, and even something that a lot of young kids do uh, when they're growing up is uh, walking on tiptoes. So there could be like a range of other problems that also include in swallowing difficulties and speaking problems and vision problems and learning disabilities. That's correct. I've, my particular condition is right-sided hemiplegia, so it only, only affects my right side. Mm. Um, but, um, and does, does, did you have to go through any particular physiotherapy when you was growing up? Yeah, I had physiotherapy. I had an, I had an operation on my leg where they extended, where they extended the heel, the heel bone. Wow. And I was in, I, I couldn't move my heel. Does that mean you was in a cast for a long time? Yeah, I was in a cast for like eight weeks of the summer. Wow. In 94, and I went into a hospital during, during school time. And now I can move, I can move, I can freely move my heel much more on my on my my right leg and that was a great help because originally we went to doctor my mum went to doctors in England and even in Poland and they said they couldn't really they couldn't really do much so that was a mm. big the operation that I had on my heel was a big mm. breakthrough you know mm. um, so are you from Poland yourself or was you born in the UK no, I was born in the UK Forest Gate yeah, yeah. Uh, um do, do you notice anything different about your experience in the UK coming from a Polish background, particularly in the climate of no. Brexit and 
and uh, the kind of issues of like kind of settling in with like local people and being accepted was that an added problem? To not, the not really, because I was born in England, so mm. um, I just I got used to the, to the the British way of life, you know. So yeah. Um, so you settled in quite quickly because when you say it was like the nineties. Uh, eighty one. I was born. Yeah. Nine eighty one. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of experienced like lots of different parts of British culture in terms of growing up. Definitely, yeah. The cultural contribution. I went to. I went. My mum, my sister went to a Polish school mm. in 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 um, Angel Islington. I went. I went there as well. Yeah. To to, to learn Polish as well. So, um, I went to to a Catholic school in Forest Gate before I went to um, secondary school. Um, so would you say the cerebral palsy, it didn't present as many challenges or difficulties in terms of participating? No, not really. I mean, I did get, I did get bullied for being different, but I didn't have the power at such a young age to, to, to sort of challenge people, okay. to challenge the bullying, to challenge the status quo. You know? And was that kind of tiring to have to kind of fight for your right to exist amongst the bullies? Um, no, in a sense, because I didn't understand why they were bullying me. You know, I didn't understand much about my condition. I was so really? young, you know. And how did you feel after you learned more about your condition? I felt like I, I felt like I was more equipped to deal with, 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 with people to to make a stand. You know. Mm. So what what kind of steps did you take to make yourself feel more equipped? Um, I suppose. Being at college and being around people, being at university, being just learning about how to building up strong communication skills through work and education, and just learn watching and reading the news, and um, learning about attitudes, how 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 the system works, how people think. Um, I build up my own resistance and build up my own sort of way, way, way of thinking and I think my, my, my way of thinking is, is good but it can be quite, I'm, I'm so negative about myself, I put myself down a lot. So what kind of things do you say or suggest to yourself that may be negative? Um, I say that I'm not, I'm not good enough, I feel inadequate, um, I, I'm not acceptable or, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sort of, now, because cerebral palsy, I'm dealing with cerebral palsy now. Unless somebody knows that I've got cerebral palsy, unless somebody, unless you promote awareness, then nobody's going to know. It's like I'm dealing with it on my own. So you have to kind of wear it like a badge of honour, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that one of the steps that you've used to kind of feel more confident about it? Um, I would like to use it more. I haven't used it enough. Obviously, coming here to enough and meeting people with. With, dis dis with disabilities as well, and mingling with people with, with 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 mental health issues, that makes me a stronger person to to come out of something that some sort of trauma, if you like. To, it makes me feel like I'm a better person that I've been through some sort of struggle, as opposed to somebody who hasn't and her, her, is very ignorant as a result. And there are a lot of ignorant, discriminatory people in the world, and I can't. You can't sort of save everybody in that respect, you know. Um. So there's one thing I wanted to, um, if I can interrupt, there's one thing I wanted to say is that you've had cerebral palsy since birth, but when did you get diagnosed with, was it acute schizoid? 
schizo- well, it started off as a clinical depression and then it moved into schizoaffective disorder. Schizoaffective disorder. I mean, I, I've been taking medication for this condition, which started off as a clinical depression since 2007. Okay. Um, so, you know. Um, and then what kind of steps did you need to go through to manage the clinical depression? Like, what helped you? I, I, I needed to know how to be more of a... I had to control myself, my, my behaviour, the way I interact with people. Obviously, the cerebral palsy makes me think that I'm inadequate. And a lot of issues um, at home, particularly with um, my dad not being around and the abuse that I got at home, um, that sort of contributed to my way of being and, and made me sort of be sort of an outsider, you know. Mm. Um, but um, I think I, I I think I'm dealing with think, th- things quite well, quite much better now, you know. So do you feel that the way you dealt with your cerebral palsy helped inform how you could deal with your your clinical depression? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, when you've got these conditions, you need to know what they are and how how to use them in a positive way, mm. you know. I like to think that I can come across to people as a positive way, mm. um, but yeah, it can be difficult sometimes. You know, pressures of pressures of life. I mean, you know, everyday people have to have their own issues as well. Mm. So with that on top, it makes things it makes things more difficult. But I try to be I try to be as positive as I can. But I get down I get down sometimes quite a lot actually. Yeah, you know. The struggle trying to trying to make people understand you, you know, trying to accept you, you know, mm. you got to know who the good people are, I suppose, you know, mm. um, and that can be difficult, you know. So has it taken time for you to kind of get a network of good people around you? Is that one of the things that you work towards? Yeah, I, 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 I I've done the normal milestones in life. I've been to college, I've been to university, but sort of being sort of socially acceptable is or social social justice or justice for people with disabilities you know that's that's something that I, i'm working on i guess um, and i hope to achieve some sort of um satisfaction from um doing well as somebody with a disposition and and, and for other people with dispositions as well you know um just going back you'd mentioned that um uh, a support teacher had uh, to, to take you to one side when you was at school to explain to you about what cerebral palsy, cerebral palsy was, if I'm pronouncing it right, and how you were affected by the condition. Now, you said you moved on into college and university. Now, was there like an effective support service or care team in the schools and the colleges and the universities when you were dealing with mental health as well? Uh, there was, and I think part of the part of the reason I got ill was because of the pressure of university and college. You know, mm. um, there was help at university and college. What kind of role did they have? You know, providing me with um, a dictaphone or somebody to write notes, and I, I rejected a lot of that help because I thought I could do it on my own. You know, mm. um, and I, I struggled at university. I struggled with the deadlines. You know, because when you're in your when you're in like primary school or secondary school, you, mm. you don't have to work the deadlines. You do things in a certain way, and then then they're done. But I struggled with deadlines at at, at university. Mm. 
Did um, you feel they had? Did they give you access to like support teachers or support workers there? Yeah, they did. Um, but I sort of went against the grain, and I could thought I thought I could manage things myself. Obviously, it turned out it. I I got two hundred and twenty credits of a degree, mm. so I think I think I think I did quite well. I could go back, but. Um, I would like to go back to university in the future. Um, what was the degree that you did? Um, it was like multimedia studies, like web design and um, multimedia programs, and then I switched to IT. Okay. And I thought it was I thought it was very difficult, and I would have liked to have taken a, a year out when I left college and actually think about wanted like, what I wanted to do. But that's the usual story, you know. A student goes to university, uh, they don't know what they want to do with their life, and and they end up with lots of debt, and of course now I couldn't afford to go to university, you know, with the fees the way they are, you know. So, but I, I, I've learned a lot about life and about my own character, and I, I think I, I, I am sort of intellectually equipped to some degree. So know. what would you, I mean, if you was to say it in like maybe 10 words or less, what would your philosophy on life be now? Um... I just um, just try just try to keep keep occupied, mix with good people, and you know, try just just make the most of it because we're only here for a little while, you know. Um, but there is so much pressure out there um, um, between people and sort of social injustices and stuff and arguments and yeah, there is there is a lot of there is a lot of pressure, you know, from social media and radio and TV and it's just, it's difficult to escape really, you know, it's... Um, Do you think that social media plays a part in labelling people before understanding who they are and perhaps what kind of conditions that they're dealing with? Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. But but as I say, you know, um, back in the day there was only the, the one disability movement and now there's movements for every sort of condition. So. In one respect, disability has done well. It's pushed forward because anything goes, you know. It's like more diverse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, so what do you feel the benefits are from this new diversity, where people can recognise individual disabilities compared to how it was maybe ten, fifteen years ago? I think I think you know, there's more people have more to say. There's more. There's more disabilities, there's more help for disabilities, and there's more sort of, there's more understanding and more, more acceptance. Um, um, but there, all, there, all, there is that ignorance as well, you know, that ignorance is bliss, as they say, you know. There is the dark side as well, but I think, I think, I think, I think, um, I've just got to be as positive as I can and, and work, 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 work with what I've got, you know. Um, so is one thing that can perhaps bring disability out of the darkness is to perhaps have more user-led organisations, perhaps? Definitely, yeah. Um, I, I would do, I would do, I'd be, I would try to do as much as I can and I'm sure that there is a lot of good things being done, um, you know, especially for charities in this country, for people like Para, Paralympics, um, you know, there's, there's so much done for disabled people. I just think that um, if we could make maybe the disabilities and sort of, you know, people without disabilities could sort of maybe get get in touch more, you know. Because I think you've got, you've got those divisions, but they're sort of on their own, you know. 
because mm. um, you've got a society for everything, you know. So, I mean, I, I work for Scope, and and you know, you've got you've got Alzheimer's, and you've got this, and you've got that, but their so, divisions are, are strictly on their own, you know. What does Scope do? Um, I work on the I work on the Scope site, and basically they work on people. And they have discussions, and and they t and and basically it's about benefit issues, PIP and ESA, and they ha they have other discussions as well, and they talk about benefits and problems with tribunals and getting their money. So and they provide an advocacy service as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, but but it's online. I would like to see that sort of. I would like to see some more sort of face to face, a face to face advocacy service. I mean, I recently did an advocacy course. Um, um, so you're an advocacy worker for Scope as well. In in a, in a way, yeah. I, I don't. I just. I just. In, I just. Um, I, I. I. welcome people on there and I, and I give them advice if they need it. Mm. But it's very low level for me at the moment. But as I say, I recently finished an advocacy course um, with with Choice in Hackney. Choice. Choice in Hackney. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what did Choice do? Uh, we did an advocacy course and the criteria for me doing the advocacy course was having a disability. So we were all in the same boat and we were all learning about the history of disability and uh, IMHARs and IMCARs. And so it was, it was great and now I've got an opportunity to work with Age UK, which I feel comfortable with because older people have the more experience and they... Um, I think they're easier to, to communicate with because of having that experience. The downside of that is they can have disabilities and dementia. Um, but I'm looking forward to the challenge of working with Age UK. Having like frontline charities and campaigns to challenge and change negative attitudes about disability, is that important or is there more we can do to kind of remove the barriers between disabled and non-disabled people. I think community. that's a positive thing, frontline charities. I think we can always do more if we want to, you know. Mm. Um, you know. Um, and I think, I, think, I think this country especially does a lot, with, for a lot of charity work. But it's just, the charities themselves, they're sort of on their own, you know. Scope is one charity, Alzheimer's is another charity, AUK. Mm. is another charity and they sort of stick to their own and they work with those particular type of people and I don't think there's nothing into integration between the more normal society and 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 the disabled society but mm. you know one in four people are are, men are mentally ill you know um, mm. you know so I think we've, we've all got certain problems um, normal people say a problem like OCD that's that's a that's a big problem, you know, I mm. mean. But does it help you to know that you have a vocation and that you can move into a state of service for yeah, other people? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I think, the, I think it's great that I can equip myself and I've got work in an area that I, that I would like to do. Like, I want to, want to be an advocate because I want to empower myself, maybe come off the medication one day that I'm on. And that's the medication for the mental health issue. Yeah, mental health issue, yeah. So, um, and I think the advocacy serves me, serves the purpose for me to empower myself mm. and to empower others as well. So I think it, I think it makes sense for me to mm. go in that direction, you know. Mm. So one thing about uh, just coming back to your 
multiple diagnosis. Do you feel that the primary condition with the mental health, like the clinical depression, do you think that was a genuine diagnosis? Or do you feel that the practical diagnosis is the one that came afterwards? Um. So do you feel like you're somebody with uh, clinical depression and schizoid affective disorder, or do you think the clinical depression might be misdiagnosed and that the schizoid affective disorder is um, the issue? That's, that's, that's a difficult question, yeah. Um, you know, I, I do have a problem. Mm. Uh, I, I recognise that I've got a mental health problem. I take medication for my mental health problem. Mm. And I'm hoping that one day I won't need I won't need the medication. Obviously somebody like Stephen Fryer has to take medication because mm. to do his shows and he's got a problem. And the first thing, the first step is acknowledging that you've got a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me a while to do that, you know, I used to rebel against taking the medication. Yeah. That's why I was switched from tablets to medica to, to injections, you know. Yeah. But um, I'm hoping that, I mean, some people's lives are just luckier than others, you know. Mm. Depends what how you occupy yourself and what you've got going on in my life. And I hope mm. now that I've got, a, now that I, I can get in, I've got a chance to get to get work in the future with this advocacy direction. Mm. So I'm hoping that I can overcome, I've overcome a lot, but maybe one day I can come off the medication because I'm on 50 milligrams, which is a maintenance dose. It's a very low dose. Yeah. But only, only time will tell, you know, um, I've got to, I've still got a long way, I've, I've improved a lot, I've come a long way, um, but I still need to do more. And, and Because the thing is, you've gone through like a positive experience of being on a certain dosage and having that reduced over time. Yeah, definitely. So have you noticed um, any positive changes or different things that you do routinely that's led to that kind of reduction? Well, yeah, I, I, I'm honestly happy in myself, and it depends, you know, what you fill your time with, really. Sure. You know, you have to... My mum's always maintained that I need to stay occupied, mm. you know, and I try, I try my best to do that, you know. Mm. I've had a, a long history of work experience, mm. and I'm hoping at some point... I'm not sure whether I will come off the medication or not. I would like to... Mm. Um, I, like I said to you, some people's lives are just luckier than others. Mm. whether they're on medication or not, you know. Yeah. Um, but you have to do your best to... to stay do, motivated. To stay motivated and do thing, things with your life because you're only here for a little while anyway. I mean, I'm, mm. I'm 38 years old, you know. And I think I'm, 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 I'm sort of much wiser now. And I, I, I do enjoy life um, as much as I can. And I try to stay... So try to try to stay happy as as much as I can, you know. So with uh, that new wisdom, what three tips would you give to an individual who might be listening to this now, who may have a multiple diagnose, multiple conditions that include mental health as well? Just just use your just use your disability. The first tip I would say would be use your disability in a positive way to stop yourself from being negative. Mm. And the second tip would be to... Um, so is that like identifying your disability and taking ownership of it? Sort yeah, of taking ownership, yeah. Okay. And the second tip would be to accept, accept, accept yourself, accept the things you cannot change. I can't change the fact that I've got a cerebral palsy. You but know? you have to love yourself. But you have to love yourself anyway. 
And, and, and the third tip is uh, just, you know, just as I said in the second tip, I mean, just love yourself, just, 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 which ties in with being more accepting, you know. Um, I, I've, I've had a difficulty with loving myself. My, my mum is sort of a, a very good looking lady, and um, so. I'm sure she'd be happy to hear that. We look like different people, you know, so. Um, when I look in the mirror, it's like I would prefer to look like my mum, you know. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just just try to love yourself and stay good to yourself. Be kind to people. Be nice. Um, because I think positivity is 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 stronger. You know, it's stronger than stronger than negativity. You know. Um, Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. thank you for that yeah. insight and uh, opening up about some uh, deep parts of your history uh, yeah, with yeah. like multiple conditions. So um, I really appreciate you talking about that. And um, is is there anywhere um, people can kind of meet you about the advocacy services that you provide at all? Um, I'm an I'm an independent mental health advocate. We've asked. Um, I work with uh, Pamela Hillier. Yeah. Uh, who is my mentor as well, and um, and where is Ask based in Newham? Um, we we actually the problem is we actually we're not a recognised service, but we are we, we um we're having forum we're having forums at the Stratford Advice Arcade, which we're now moved to Stratford Library Stratford Library. And which days do you, does that happen? That's that's, that's, that's that's on a monthly basis. Okay. Usually on a Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Um, Any particular time? Two to five, yeah. Two cool. to five. Thank you very much for uh, your plug and yeah. uh, giving us time to talk about your life. Uh, really appreciate that. We hope we can get you back on the show again. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Michael. Um, you might not have heard him on the actual <laughs> podcast, but hopefully, if you're looking at the podcast channel, you're going to be seeing some of his artwork in the, I think the avatar, the description. So he has been busy away uh, scribing and drawing yeah. and uh, giving us some really good artwork for yeah, yeah, the channel. Yeah, paid by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we would do it by 30 minutes, yeah. 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 Uh, so thank you, Michael, again, for being an artist for the session. And- uh, me as well? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, we'll, we'll, show you, we'll show that to you at the end of the podcast. So thanks, Michael, for being on the show. Um, that's fine. And uh, thanks to Denise Yard for being our sound recorders today. Uh, you, my name's Trevor, and you've been listening to the Enough Said podcast, which is available on Castbox. Just search hashtag uh, INUFSAID, and you can also find us uh, via the website www.inuf.org, where we provide help, advice, and well-being information, as well as training. Uh, thank you for listening and we hope you can hear from us again soon.